1: Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Kelly. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show. So excited to bring you Sam Harris today. I first talked to Sam way back in December 2020. It was just episode 37 of our burgeoning little show. Like many conversations he has, it was long. It was deep it affected me greatly for days and days afterward we talked about political tribalism race essentialism cancel culture the woke left the rise of victimhood trump biden even meditation in some ways it feels like a lifetime ago but in other ways these stories have only gotten more relevant and alarming after sam's comments about hunter biden back in august you may remember this he was on the podcast trigonometry which we love. Uh, and Sam likes too, and made some comments about how we'll get to it. But basically, he didn't care what was on the Hunter Biden laptop, that Trump was a unique figure um, who needed to be stopped. And well, we'll play the sound soundbite so you can hear it yourself. So much backlash came his way. And Sam stepped away from the spotlight for a bit, but glad to say he's back with me today. And we have so much to discuss. Sam Harris is an author, neuroscientist, and host of the very popular Making Sense podcast. Sam, great to have you back on. Welcome back.
0: Hey Megan, great to see you.
1: So you've been busy. You've had a you've had an eventful uh, fall and winter season. And uh, let, let me just start with, how are you? How are you doing?
0: Uh, I am great, actually. I, as you say, I've stepped away from Twitter, and and I am actually embarrassed to say what a uh, an immense change that has been in my life. I mean, it's really, um, we can talk about that, but I, I was, um, I was genuinely surprised that that it was as much of a problem for me as it was. And I really only recognized that in retrospect. So, um, I mean, I, obviously I knew something was off and I decided to, to, um, delete my account, but, uh, I'm just amazed that, uh, what Twitter has done, not just to me, but to society. I, mean, I guess it's a problem of social media more generally, but I think Twitter really is the epicenter of it. And uh, I just think it has, you know, we've all been enrolled in a psychological experiment to which no one really has consented and the results are are not looking good. And it's, um, so yeah, we'll, we can we can get into that if you want to, but it's, you know, I'm, I, I'm great. And it's really been a, a huge improvement not to be Segmenting my life in you know in uh, hours and minutes between checking Twitter, which is really mm-hmm. what life had become. I mean, it's, it's it's very strange to say it, but that really is what it what has happened to so many people.
1: I understand, and I understand in particular for someone like you, who is. I don't know if you call yourself in the center, I think you do, um, you lean left on some things, you yeah. lean right on some things, you surprise both sides with your takes on various issues. You can't be e- easily pigeonholed. And for somebody like that, um, it's a it's an even rougher place. I mean, I can kind of relate to yeah. this because while mostly I'm leaning right on a lot of issues today, just because I'm big into the culture wars and we've lost our minds, um, I understand because a lot of the times uh, the people who follow me from the left, because they know I'm not hard right and I'll give their side a fair shake and they just want facts. Right. I, de- I deal in facts. They'll get very upset over certain things I'm saying. Or sometimes the right will you know, because I'm not afraid to criticize figures on the right, whether it's Trump, DeSantis, et cetera. And so I understand you know, Twitter's. One of those places where they just want you to be on their team. And if you're on their team, they'll back you. And if you say something that goes against the team narrative, they get very, very angry and it can be very toxic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. As you say, if you're in the center, you really do get it from both sides. You know, if you're, you know, I say as much against wokeism as I think, you know, virtually anyone on the right. And I say as much against Trumpism as virtually anyone on the left. But if there's any daylight between you, and the right and the left on any specific topic uh yeah you you you're treated like the the near enemy right you know it's just it's um it uh, precipitates even more of a um, a vicious and dishonest uh sort of attack against you and so it's it's it, i think it is very different being more or less just aligned with one pole and because then you can really just discount what you're getting from the other side but i, I really don't have another side Right, I'm I, I'm very much in yeah. the center, not not because I think the truth is always at the midpoint between two extremes, but because I'm I'm genuinely not a partisan, right? And so I, I'm calling balls and strikes as I see them. And so you, so for instance, no matter how much I uh, despise Trumpism as a as a movement, and uh, no matter how much I think Trump is is. Uh, Precisely the wrong sort of person to have been put in the Oval Office. You know, I'm I'm not willing to take cheap shots at him. I mean, despite what what Trumpists may think, I do. So so for instance, when you know he's someone takes a clip from a a press conference of his that is genuinely misleading, like the you know the fine people clip after Charlottesville, right? That was you know that was not you know what what he what he seemed to say over on the left right and and could be made to seem to say uh by just endlessly referencing that uh, clip of him saying there are fine people on both sides was not in fact what he said in context right he was not praising nazis and anti-semites in the way he was made to seem and so that's that's an unfair attack and it's you know so it's the sort of thing that has happened to me as as you reference and many of us are just living and dying by clips but partisans are happy to play that game because they're not—they don't really care what their opponents think. They only care what they can be made to seem to think, right? They, what what a, par- a tribalist and a partisan wants to do at each moment politically is tar their opponents with the most extreme and, however tenuously plausible, version of what they can seem to mean, right? And then they just want to hold them to that. Uh, no matter how uncharitable that is, no matter how dishonest that is, until the end of time, right? And so I'm just, I'm not willing to play that game as much as it gets played with me. Um, And uh, yeah, so then when you you decline to do that, you get a tremendous amount of hate from both sides.
1: Yeah. Well, that's why we can get into the comments about Trump and Hunter Biden, but that's why I thought it was useful. Like, Why are people so averse to hearing someone like you who has defended the cops in the midst of the BLM storm against them, spoken out against wokeism, has been an important, really smart, which is a bonus voice on some of these really important issues that that the right in particular cares about? Why do they care so much that you hate Trump? Like, okay, you hate Trump. A lot of people hate Trump. A lot of people love Trump. Okay that I think it's valuable to have somebody like you who's not deranged who's not just suffering from this sort of leftism that t- takes over your brain and makes you see everybody on the right is terrible that's not you why is it so upsetting to them to hear you say I really really hate him and hear all the reasons I hate him and don't think he should be near the great it's to me a window a window we should open we should listen to we should consider may not be persuasive m- may not may, may feel offended in the moment but that's what the right criticizes the left for doing, being little snowflakes who can't hear another view, right? The right is supposed to be able to hear opposing views, walk away fortified by new opinions or insights that they accept or reject and move on with their beautiful lives.
0: Yeah, it's not so much that I hate Trump. It's really, you know, I, I don't hate him as a person. I think I hate the fact of him. I hate the I hate what he has done to our politics and to our society generally uh it's not you know i mean for me the 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 bright line with trump has always been his refusal to uh agree to a peaceful transfer of power you know in 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 the run up to the 2020 election i mean there were there obviously there were many other reasons literally a 100 reasons to have um deplored his his candidacy in my view and i and i i was very you know uh, outspoken uh, on those reasons but the, the the true point of no return for me was his declining to to uh accept a peaceful transfer of power uh and this uh, i i really think this should be uncontroversial right this is you know ronald reagan in his first inaugural celebrated our peaceful transfer of power as a miracle right and and uh you know he i think he was right to 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 emphasize that it distinguishes us from so many other societies that are struggling to to create valid democracies uh, and stable ones and trump did his best to destroy that miracle in 2020 and he effectively did I mean, we did not have a peaceful transfer of power so you know whatever you think about him as a person whether you think he's you know entertaining and and you know just worth paying attention to or you you always wanted him to, to disappear. Um, I, that was the point of no return, I think politically and ethically. And yeah, so that's, so I, the, the, you know, that was going on for a good eight months before the election was actually run. And it was, it was quite clear. I mean, the, the, the painful irony here is that he attempted to do what he claimed was being done to him. And he really did, did attempt to steal an election. Uh, And the fact that so many people in our society believe that the uh, election was stolen from him uh, is, you know, it's not something that I necessarily blame millions of people for. I mean, there's so much misinformation and so much confusion now and and there's so little trust in our institutions. Again, this is largely a a problem engineered for us by social media that, um, yeah, you know, I, I can't blame millions of people for for not quite understanding what happened there. But, uh, you know, I believe I do understand what happened there. I think it's pretty clear. It was pretty clear in real time what was happening and it was unconscionable and it was be, beyond that it was actually dangerous. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, it's not a matter of personal animus toward Trump. I I think Trump is, is kind of a goofy entertainer really in the end. He's I mean, he's a con man and he's, um, I, I don't think he's a normal person. I don't think he's an ethical person. I don't think, he, I think he's a malignantly selfish person, but he's not someone who I would need to pay attention to if he hadn't already been president and wasn't seeking the presidency again. Well, that's the thing. Right? So, you say the point no.
1: of no return, and yet he has returned and and yep. maybe returning in an even more robust way uh, in the, over the next weeks and months to come. Um, let me ask you this, Sam, because I one thing about your comments to trigonometry, and I'll, I'll play part of them, Um, has me listening to comments like the ones you just made and saying, but don't you understand what led people to believe that Trump was cheated out of his second term? It was in part comments like the ones you, you made because Mm. they rightly believed the Trump hating left would do anything to stop him and saw your comments as an admission to that effect. It it was an acknowledgement. The ends justify the means. He must be stopped. He's a unique figure, and that—that's just one of the many things that had people believing they—they they will do anything. And in particular, the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop. Let me let you can ruminate on that while I get the audience up yeah. to speed with the soundbite that we're yeah, talking well, about. This it, is, let, let me just let yeah, me just ahead.
0: say as preface to the soundbite that I'm not actually saying what I seem to be saying in this clip. Right. This is a clip that was maliciously uh spread on Twitter by someone who subsequently sp- spread a clip that you know tried to have me saying that I wished more children died during covid right i mean and and that clip was so inept and it was uh it was so clear what i was saying in context that not a lot of people believe that but it was the same person who circulated the clip and and, and this is a larger problem again with social media that People are behaving like psychopaths, right? And people, you know, whether they're psychopaths or not, they're actually just consciously misleading millions of people, uh, just for the, you, you know, just for the lulls, uh, you know, and ju- just to uh, exact some kind of reputational harm on people they they don't like, and it's it's not good, right? So I'm I'm happy to you know f- feel free to play the clip. I'm happy to talk about it, but. I'm actually, it's not, I'm not actually saying what I seem to be saying in this clip. Okay, and I got it. that was reasonably clear in context. I mean, the truth is I'm not, I wasn't speaking as well as I might have spoke in that context. I got it. It's
1: annoying to the audience to listen to the wind up without knowing what we're, we're you can it. do that on the, on the back end. So let, let me play what we yeah. have and then you can take it on. SOT 3.
0: Yep. I mean, Hunter Biden, at that point, Hunter Biden literally could have had, had, the corpses of children in his basement, I would not have cared, right? It's like, it's, there's nothing. First of all, it's Hunter Biden, right? It's not—it's like, it's not Joe Biden, but even if Joe, like even the, whatever scope of Joe Biden's corruption is, like if, you, if we could just go down that rabbit hole endlessly and, and understand that he's getting kickbacks from Hunter and Biden's deals in Ukraine or wherever else, right? Or China, it is infinitesimal compared to the corruption we know Trump is involved in. It's like it's like it's like a firefly to the sun, right? I mean like there's just it doesn't even it doesn't even stack up against Trump University. Right? Trump University as a story is worse than anything that could be in in Hunter Biden's laptop in my view, right? Now that's not that doesn't answer the people who say it's still completely unfair to not have looked at the laptop in a timely way and to have shut down the, you know, the New York Post's Twitter account like that. That's just a conspiracy. That's a left wing conspiracy to deny the presidency to Donald Trump. Absolutely. It was absolutely right. But I think it was warranted. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So so the the thing that's genuinely misleading there is that is the final line? I think it was warranted, right? That was not what I was saying in context, and what what I meant to say. I mean, the, the distinction for me is, I was so. So here here was here's what I was talking about in context, right? So we have this this October surprise dropped by Rudy Giuliani, something like ten days before the election. This this laptop from hell, and this is it. Was a very unpleasant echo of what had happened in the previous election with Jim Comey deciding to revisit hillary clinton's emails based on the you know the discovery of anthony weiner's laptop and we know what happened there we know that that was that really you know obviously i think hillary's failed candidacy was was over determined she was a terrible candidate for a variety of reasons and it's understandable she didn't become president but we we saw what happened to the polls you know hour by hour after that that uh, press conference and it did seem decisive right and so um i viewed the emergence of this laptop as many people did as just this you know on on the one hand uh, it certainly seemed like it stood a good chance of being fake or at least doctored or and some species of of um disinformation uh but, but most important not knowing what was true there uh the the clock was ticking right and it didn't seem uh At all prudent to be hostage to rudy giuliani's timeline right and to have to figure out have to drill down on this laptop in the 10 days before the election making it the front page story across the board uh trying to figure out what was real there uh so my my position was never that it was an easy call journalistically i in fact in the in the context of this interview I talk about it being a coin toss. I talk about being uncertain what I think should have happened there. But I sound very certain in that clip. In that clip, I I seem to be saying that it was just a straightforwardly wise decision to ignore the laptop. What I actually was saying and what I actually believe is that it was a a a genuinely hard decision journalistically to decide what to do when that laptop emerged 10 days before the election. Um, And I think, you know, it's it's a coin toss whether or not... uh, a a institution like the New York Times should have just ignored it until after the election. I'm not saying they should have ignored it till the end of time. I'm not saying that it's not totally valid now to look at what's in that laptop. Um, Although the truth is now that Trump is a candidate for the presidency again, I still don't care what's in that laptop. Right. And And this is the other point I was making. We know so much about Donald Trump and Joe Biden as people. Right. These are okay, these are but two this men. Is, but who have...
1: This is your judgment. So, this, this is a difference. Like, this is less controversial. This is where you veer off right. into Biden's worse than or Trump's worse than Biden. Nothing's going to convince me differently. I get that. Uh, th- like that's that we've had that debate with people many times. And that's what leads people to a, the polls and they make the, the choice they do. It's the it's the it's the notion that because you said in the interview, politically speaking, I I consider Trump an existential threat. Or you said that after the fact, he's an existential threat and so the thought that he's an existential threat and really must be stopped right and that i'm not really interested in information that Yeah but that's not true. Uh,
0: so so i just want to clarify that i mean i was okay. not i was not saying in that interview that the ends justify the means and that we we are free to do illegal and unethical things in order to stop trump and i don't think he's I, and i and i did not think he's an existential threat of that sort i don't think trump is orange hitler Right. I, I think he's a a deeply selfish and unqualified person for, to put in the presidency. Um, and therefore, uh, I think he's you know, he's dangerous, right? But he's not ideological. he's not he's not nearly as sinister as he could be. And again, I, in the context of that interview, I made that clear. Um, the The whole bit about him being, i mean a, I think part of the clip you didn't play is i I, I drew an analogy to an asteroid hurtling toward Earth. Again, it was misleading in the clip because what I was talking about is just how irrelevant it was to uh, whether there was a conspiracy or not, whether people are I talking behind closed doors. We didn't doors, pull that clip because
1: I, I understand that. I agree with you. You're talking okay. about, is it a conspiracy so, just because you have people in a room talking about a yeah, threat coming at them like an asteroid? No, no doubt that wasn't the people relevant are
0: talking clip. in public and in private about how to stop Trump. And I consider that fine. What I don't consider fine is lying about him, lying about his what he actually means when he's speaking, lying about what he's done and hasn't done, lying about what he intends and doesn't intend. And so much of the problem of Trump is completely in plain view. I mean, he—he's. But wait, he's are you quite... saying
1: the r- the right doing that or the like, when you when you list that off, that's the left. That's that's who did that. Oh yeah, it no,
0: th- no, that is, that is the left, yeah. and I and I haven't okay. done that with Trump. My the the point I'm making is that. Um. It was it was just totally valid to avert your eyes from the Hunter Biden laptop story with 10 days to run out before the election, given that this this uh, October surprise was I clearly can engineered can for political reasons. Right. So yes, that, that's 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 all I was saying. In that, in that no,
1: but the, the citizenry can avert to anything. It's the question of whether journalists should be yeah. in on it. Should be should be making decisions to protect a candidate uh, Jura- or journalists have to another. make
0: editorial decisions all the time, as you know, and and you, you, you signal boost things you, you think are important and and going to make the future better than the past. Uh, and you, so maybe you you don't
1: run with it. Maybe the New York times says we don't have it. We don't think the sourcing's there, but what happened in this case was the New York posts reporting was entirely shut down. Their Twitter account was frozen. They couldn't, you couldn't, I couldn't retweet the article as somebody who wasn't shut down. There was absolutely no communication of that in our, in our online social square. And it, It definitely suppressed circulation of a very big story. So it wasn't just we, the New York Times, don't think the sourcing's there. It was we, big tech and big journalism, are going to put our thumb on the New York Post and squash its reporting, which was clearly done to advance the Biden candidacy. Well,
0: well, well, let me just again, I, I would dispute the fact that at the time it was clear whether the New York Post story was was valid. Um, so I, I do think it was a, an understandable judgment call on on the part of uh, the, you know, the people at Twitter. I don't think it was no, the right you call. Do I th- I,
1: you don't do that. You don't do that. You don't do that. You don't say uh, we little armchair warriors will decide without having done any of the re- reporting. We haven't seen the laptop. We haven't talked to the FBI. We now know they had an investigation open, which we knew at the time. Um w- we, they haven't done anything. It's a little armchair warrior saying that
0: hurts Biden yeah, done. Uh, and I don't think there's anybody who believes yeah. if the but story they, had been about Donald Trump that they
1: would have had yeah. the same reluctance to publish it. We all know that
0: oh no that that's that's completely true. yeah so that in insofar as there you know I'm I'm acknowledging a massive bias against Trump on the part of you know, the people at Twitter and the, and the people in in you know much of the the established uh, so mainstream media um, that's true right and it, it it was understandable and yes the, if it, had that been you know Donald Trump junior's laptop the, there's no question there would have been a different response um, and i do think it, it was it was almost certainly the wrong decision for twitter to block that story and and to and to ban i think they you know i think they t- took down the new york post account briefly if if yeah. memory serves um yeah. No, I think, again, that's that's quite distinct from The New York Times just deciding not to look into it for 11 days. Right. I mean, that that's so there, there were, you know, gradations to the the practice of bias there. And I'm, you know, I'm much more comfortable with with what The New York Times did and didn't do than what with what Twitter did or didn't do. Um, but it, so, and,
1: and I think it, fe- it helps it helps feed what you hate, which is conspiracy. Um, I yeah. keep saying what you hate. You'll decide what you'll tell us what you hate, but I know you're not a big conspiracy person. And I, I pride myself on not getting sucked into those either. I really do. I, I, my listeners know I'm vigilant about taking in information from the left and the right. So no one can corrupt my brain. No one can make me don their team Jersey advertently or inadvertently. I want to deal in fact. It's getting harder and harder with AI and chat GPT and so on. And it's going to be an ongoing battle. However, it's worth the effort. Um, So but this is how conspiracies are born. Little things like this. It's not it wasn't a little thing. The the suppression of a story by by big tech, by a respected newspaper. I don't care if you're on the left or the right. The New York Post is Alexander Mm -hmm. Hamilton founded it. It's been around for a long, long time. It's done very, very well. They have legit reporters over there. And they did have the story, as we now know, 100 percent. Washington Post, New York Times, they've all acknowledged it. Now, the laptop was real. Those disinformation experts yeah. who put out their statement, those intel uh, experts, have been embarrassed. And um, it, they should have gone with the story and they should have reported on the story. So th- thats it's just bit by bit. Yeah. Things like that that send people down the rabbit hole, that send people down yeah. into Reddit hell, from which they emerge thinking there are lizard people, right? We could go down the list.
0: Right. Right. But but the the point I made there that was so provocative that people found so astounding and objectionable was that there there could be nothing on that laptop that I would have cared about. Right now, that is, you know, still true. Right. Because it's it be, again, because I believe we know so much about Trump and Biden as people. Now, I'm not I'm not a fan of Biden running again for the presidency. Uh, you know, I hope he doesn't. Although I don't know who the other candidate, I don't know who we would put in his place. Uh, but uh, still, I know, I believe I know so much about him as a person, and, and that, and there's nothing on that on his son's laptop that is all likely to offset that. You know, if if Biden were living like Andrew Tate, right? If he was driving around in a Bugatti, if he had all kinds of homes we <laughs> didn't like know about, <laughs> well, then okay, then some allegation of corruption might land in a way that would balance the scales against Trump. But again, we know so much about Trump's history that precedes his even running for the presidency in 2016 that makes him, in my view, one of the most corrupt people we've ever seen in public life. And so that that's why I simply don't care about what Hunter, Hunter Biden has been up to. We know Hunter is you know, a, a disaster, right? I mean, he's he has been a, a a crack addict, you know, and and it's just. But this is about life, whether Joe was chaos. also a
1: disaster. The, the, the what was yeah. interesting on in the corruption front was whether Joe was taking ten percent from the as the big guy, and that whether it would be persuade persuade uh, whether it would be persuasive to you or not is relevant. It's relevant to a campaign and and to balancing out the scales. And one of the reasons why you may not think the Biden corruption compares to corruption on the Trump side is because. The mainstream media won't report it. (laughs) They don't care, Sam. They won't go digging on a Biden story the way they would go digging on a Trump story. If Trump's daughter had written a diary that talked about inappropriately long showers between her and her father, you don't think the mainstream media would have covered that for days? No, they blacked out the Ashley Biden diary story.
0: Okay, well, it's been so successfully blacked out that this is the first I'm hearing of it. So I I can't really respond. But it, it, your your point is is certainly true, right? That yeah, there is this bias, but again, the bias is understandable because we know so much about these guys. Now, it's not that they Dude, you know, there was a sexual harassment charge against Biden that was looked into, and it, it didn't get completely suppressed. But there are you know, literally it, dozens. I, I interviewed
1: Tara Reid. I'm one of like right. two people who did it. I, I flew to her mm-hmm. during the COVID pandemic while I didn't even have a network. I didn't even have a show because everyone was ignoring her. <laughs> and I was right. mad. And I, un, I can't show you another. There, I don't think there is another journalist in America who interviewed both the Trump accusers and Tara Reid. And Biden's accusers, because well, I, well, I, r- I, I read not about the story,
0: I believe, in The New York Times. So, I, I mean, it, it was covered because it got it got into my brain. But my point is, even if it's but true, you know how
1: it was covered, right? you know, you know very well how it was covered. If you look at the, the same way that the stories about the Andrew Cuomo. Uh, accusers originally were were Mm -hmm. covered that the instinct of the media is at first to run cover and they demolished Tara Reid. They completely pulled this woman apart. They they, I read about her bankruptcies in in the paper. Why the hell is that relevant? She's poor. Tara Reid is poor. Yeah. The accusers don't come in these perfect little packages. Did they do that to all of Trump's accusers? Absolutely not. They didn't. They weren't interested in tearing them down to this day. They build them up.
0: Yeah, I'm you know, I'm not going to dispute The bias, right? I'm just gonna. I I just still feel uh, that the scale of it is so um, non-analogous. You know, when you when you look at but what respond to my point though. Respond to my
1: point, which is. How do you know that you're working with all the facts when you say that, when I am telling well, again, you I, well, that my Trump industry stops tr- you, stops you from having the relevant information? They intentionally don't investigate when they smell a rat on the Democratic side, especially if Trump's on the other side.
0: Well, I mean, the whole thing's been a process, right? So, you know, tr- Biden went through a primary, right? Biden went through a primary process where even his current vice president accused him of racism, right? In order to land a blow when she still had presidential aspirations, right? So that there's there's been a, a um, the incentives have been such that, that everyone gets banged around by everybody else, you know, over the course of, of you know, years of being a, a political candidate. Uh, my point about corruption is just that we know how Biden lives his life day to day. He's again, both of these men, have been in the public eye for practically as long as you and I have been alive. So, you just can't hide that that kind of corruption. And Trump doesn't hide his corruption, and he's he's never hidden it. And so, um, I, again, it's just it's the scale of it. Yes, I, I'm sure there are unsay. I'm not sure, but I'm I would not be surprised there that there if there were many unsavory things we might find out about uh, Joe Biden on Hunter's laptop or somewhere else, right? Is it, but um, from what I think we know about him, he's a very different sort of person than Trump is. He is not a once in a generation, uh, narcissist. He is not the, he, I mean, Trump is, is not a normal human being, really. I mean, he's well, really not, I he's not the sort of dad. person who can even put his children in front of his, his own interests. You know, I mean, someone praises his children in his presence and the first thing out of his mouth is to say oh, well, they're just, you know, they're just riding my coattails. Right. I mean, it's just, that is it's, what a narcissist
1: it, does. It's unbelievable. And a narcissist doles out love based on how you feel about them or how you reflect on them. And I think there's a good case to be made that Trump is a narcissist. I mean, I think most presidents have some large touch. If, of if it ever, because,
0: if ever there were a case to be made about anybody, it's, it's yeah, easy I'm, I case. don't
1: dispute that. But I don't. I I think that, you know, sort of the hubris of then that's the calculation that everyone should go into the 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 voting booth with. Right. They shouldn't be. You don't need to see the Hunter Biden laptop because it's just obvious. One man is a better person than the other. It's just such a fail. Well, well, again, it's not it's not that we don't need to see the laptop. I mean, so so it's even if you say Trump is not a great man, (laughs) Trump's not a great whatever, not a great dad. Shouldn't really be anywhere near the presidency with that sort of temperament and erratic behavior. OK, ideally, that wouldn't happen. Then you look across the, the the aisle and you got, you know, Sleepy Joe from Scranton. OK, fine. We haven't seen as anywhere near the number of bad stories about him as we have about Trump. However, this guy now, as you point out, they have records. This guy, what, what are we seeing? He and his party want to pack the Supreme Court. They want to add states so that we can get rid of the legislative filibuster. They opened the border entirely. We have absolutely no rule of law down there. So they want to ignore court rulings uh, entirely. They seem fine with Supreme Court justices having their lives and their children and their family threatened on a regular basis and the law being violated, but not enforcing it through Merrick Garland, which he's now admitted. Uh, th- they. They're openly saying that they're going to ignore court rulings, including from the U.S. Supreme Court, which Joe Biden did when it came to the whole rent abatement uh, process that that he had during covid. They're eliminating gender. They won't say what a woman is, which I know Mm. you don't approve of. That's lunacy. Right. So it's like, okay, Trump, I get it. You I know you you've mentioned Trump University in the in the trigonometry thing, like the corruption. Guess who asked Trump about that presidential debate? Me. Okay, so I get it. However, the level of lunacy happening on the left right now makes all of that pale in comparison.
0: Well, there's lunacy on both sides, right? I mean, on the other side, you got people talking about Jewish space lasers setting fires in California. That's cute. You've got QAnon.
1: That's cute.
0: The the Democratic Party can't say what a woman is. it's it's but, in but the Congress, Democratic Party can't right.
1: say what a woman is. They cannot say what a woman is. That you can't vote I, for. That.
0: Listen, you, I mean, if, I'm happy to to pivot to wokeism if you want. If you want me to talk about that, I'd be you, you know, we will agree. We're about just talking about levels of threat problem. to the
1: country and to ourselves and to our culture and to th- what's yeah. important in America. That's what we're listen, talking
0: about. I mean, the, the, the problem for me is that that there the extreme left and the extreme right, or you, you know, I mean, Trumpism is not quite conservatism, but. Uh, you know, let's let's do two extremes just to to keep it simple. Uh, both extremes are uh, completely pathological and dishonest, and and I, agree, I would agree. dangerous. You, I right? think
1: you're excusing the Democratic Party's enormous shift to the left
0: over the I, past. I am not. 10 I've, I've spent much more time, certainly on my podcast, talking about and worrying about wokeism. I know. And you know, identitarian moral panics on the left. Then I have spent time worrying about Trump and Trumpism, right? Because for, for I know, one, but
1: in this so, argument, you're equating Q and the far left as you know. And what I'm saying is, the Democrats. Yes. I get Q and on. I get. But trust me, I've I've had people call up wanting me to sign on to those theories, or they're not going to listen. Bye. I'm not the podcast for you. That's not my right. thing, and it's never going to be. However. It's the Democratic Party putting out these. It's the Democratic Party that won't protect the border. It's the Democratic Party that wants to pack the court. It's it's Joe Biden who wouldn't say no to that. It's his AG who wouldn't protect the Supreme Court. It's his AG who wanted to go label and the White House that wanted to label parents objecting to the covid restrictions and to the overreach um, as a domestic terrorist like that. That's not the left. That's not the Marjorie Taylor Greene of the left. That's Biden.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, well, I, I don't think Biden has been fully captured by by the far left, but there's no question he's had to pander to the far left to be the to be the Democratic nominee in the first place, and and he'll have to do it again, presumably, to seek uh, the the presidency in 2024. Um, although I do hold out some hope that we've seen the the, the peak wokeism, and I think think the pendulum might be swinging back. I mean, I, I certainly. Uh, I have to think it is because it looks so ridiculous. Uh, but uh, yeah, th- there's a, th- there are asymmetries here that are just worth pointing out. I mean, one asymmetry, and this is something I've, I've pointed out many times, is that you know the extreme right, when you're talking about you know white nationalist racists in our society, say the, the, the kinds of people who marched in Charlottesville, um, or you know QAnon, you know the, the the crazy end of of Trumpism, is extreme. Right, it has not captured major institutions apart from you know, the, you know, to some degree the brain of 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 mm-hmm. Trump and a few people in Congress, right? Who you know, again, someone like Marjorie Taylor yes. Greene, uh, but it hasn't it hasn't completely vitiated our institutions the way far left identitarian politics have, right? So we, with with wokeism, you have. Uh, you know, the genuine corruption of journalism and science and Hollywood and, you know, all of our tools for making sense at scale in in popular culture. Uh, so. Uh, but. You know, the, the reason why that's so shocking is because uh, we expect The New York Times and a scientific journal like Nature or Science uh, or. Um, an institution like uh, stanford university to be above rank political partisanship and uh, not to be deranged by its own tribalism right and and we we don't expect that of some of a, of a an institution like fox news or breitbart right and so it's it, it to some degree the, the the shock is testament to how different the various institutions have been up until now, but yeah, I I spend a lot more time worrying about what's happening at Stanford University and the New York Times, and in uh, you know in our scientific journals like like Science or Little Lancet or JAMA uh, in the aftermath of you know the last you know four or five years. Uh, than I spend worrying about QAnon, right? And yeah. because QAnon is just you know at a glance crazy. But it, it's, it's not that it's not scary, but it's, it is the fringe of the fringe for a reason.
1: Yeah, it doesn't. You're right. What, I think the word you use is capture. That's exactly right. They don't have the capture of those major institutions. Um, so where does that leave us? Uh, we got to turn the page to wokeism. What to do? Very happy to hear you th- say you think we may have reached peak. Um, and we're going to get into the latest on you and I believe you audience members, how now the head of the student. Group at San Francisco State University is responding to Riley Gaines. Here's a tip. Uh, She's not sorry. (laughs) Not at all. Sam Harris stays with us for the whole show. Very interesting conversation. Hope you're enjoying it. So many teenagers waiting to be adopted from foster care feel like their lives are over. They've given up hope of having a permanent home and are terrified of aging out with no support system. Right now, more than 113,000 children are waiting to be adopted in the U.S., The Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption is dedicated to finding them the right family before it's too late. Learn how you can help at DaveThomasFoundation.org slash learn more. Pandora makes it easy for you to find your favorite music. Discover new artists and genres by selecting any song or album and we'll make you a personalized station for free. Download on the Apple App Store or Google Play and enjoy the soundtrack to your life. So, Sam, uh, before we get into Riley Gaines and all that's happening on that front, Mm -hmm. did you see this now viral exchange between this BBC journalist and Elon Musk? Uh, No, you probably didn't because you're not on Twitter. (laughs) I'm on Twitter. All right. I'm going to show. enlighten me. I'm going to show it to you. So Elon sat down with the BBC and uh, they were talking. I, I believe he was trying to press him really, the journalist was talking about his own experience on Twitter and how he thought it was more negative after Elon took over. Uh, and so Elon pushed back and it went on for about two or three minutes in the clip that's online. We shortened it down to the to a one minute highlight. Watch what happened.
0: Can you name one example? I, I honestly don't. Use, I, 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 honestly, I you don't can't use, name I, a single example. I'll tell you why, because I don't actually use that for you feed anymore because I, I just don't particularly like it. But you, actually, you a lot
1: of people. A lot of people are quite similar. I only. Hang on a my second. You said you've seen
0: following. more hateful content, but you can't name a single example. Not even one. I'm not sure I've used that feed for the last three or four weeks, and I. Well I then, how did you not. see that hateful content? Because I've been I've been using I've been using Twitter since you've taken over for the last six months. Okay, so then you must have at some point seen that for you hateful content. And okay. I'm asking for one example. Right, And you I, can't I, give a single I, one. I, and, and, and I'm saying I'm... I, then I, I say so that no, you, don't you don't know, know what you're talking about. Really? Yes, because you can't give me a single example of hateful con- content, not even one tweet. Look, it's, people will say all sorts of nonsense. I'm literally asking for a right. single example, and you can't name one. Right. And as, as i already said, I don't use that feed, but let's, well, then how let, would you know that you, I don't you, think this is getting anywhere. you literally said you experienced more hateful content and then couldn't name a single example. Right. And as I said, I that's haven't, absurd. I haven't. I haven't actually looked at that feed. But how would you know this weeks, hateful content? Because I'm saying that's what I saw a few weeks ago. I can't give you an exact example. Let's move on.
1: This is so embarrassing, Sam. This is so yeah, embarrassing. Yeah. Just- You're. You have a degree in philosophy. You understand that, like, we have to. You have to have your reasoning, right? You have to have your reasoning behind any idea that you're going to debate. If you're going to debate it well, this guy went in there totally unprepared. And for once, the interviewee caught the interviewer completely flat-footed and really kept pressing. For, for me, as a journalist, it was del- it was a delight because I never go into an interview without my facts, without my backup, mm-hmm. without my evidence. You you don't just say like gotten more hateful and if you see what preceded that he says it's gotten more racist and more sexist since you took over and that's where elon said what give me an example what did you make of it
0: yeah well i mean it's just kind of a comedy of errors there really on both sides because you know had he given a single example there's no reason to think that would be a valid representation of of a trend right but you know i'm sure there are people who quantify these things and yeah i i can uh I'm certainly prepared to believe that it's gotten more hateful uh, and, you know, that the guardrails have, have come off to some degree since Elon took over. Um, but, you know, any one person's experience is not going to be a valid way of quantifying that. But yeah, I mean, that was a ridiculous exchange and, you know, worked to Elon's advantage. Um, I, I mean, the, the the larger point with, you know, Elon and Twitter is that Elon is the, is the poster boy for... What is wrong with Twitter, right? And it's not it's not because he's he's running it badly. I mean, i i I really am agnostic as to whether or not he can improve it as a platform. Um I think he's done some some uh, you know ill-considered things you know in, in his you know tenure as as its owner. but um, it's it's his actual personal use of the platform that is so uh, worthy of criticism, right? His and then, tweets. And Elon, you know, Elon was a friend, right? So it's not, I'm not, I, I don't like to be in a position to say this, but uh, I think Twitter has been obviously bad for him as a person, right? He's mm-hmm. obviously addicted to it. He's he, He's. Um, he's behaving in ways that are, you know, starkly unethical. Uh, he's singled out, you know, individual citizens in front of what now, something like 130 million people uh, you know, you know, bullying them and abusing them with, you know, to great consequence in their lives. Um, and it's, it's just not good. It's, and so it's, yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's, I mean, Twitter is an awful place for many, many people it's, and, and, but certainly not everybody. I mean, if you're just sharing happy cat memes on Twitter, I'm sure you have no idea what I'm talking about. You just, you're just getting lots of love back. And I, don't, I doubt like that. a great place. No
1: one is immune. They'll find something nasty to say about your cat at some point. That's just Twitter. I have to say, though, not for nothing. If I spend 10 minutes on Twitter and then I spend 10 minutes on Instagram, I feel worse Mm. after Instagram. I feel worse.
0: Yeah, I I like probably for different reasons. But yeah,
1: I know. Right. I know what I'm getting in news. I know news is kind of dark and a cynical place and there's going to be fights. I, I go into it with open eyes. That's my business. I go over to Instagram and suddenly you do, even if you're a secure person like I am, start feeling like, I guess my life kind of sucks. I, My meals mm-hmm. don't look like that. My ass doesn't look like that. I'm not running through wheat fields holding hands with my husband every day. You know, there you just kind of emerge feeling down, even though the content on its face is supposed to lift you up. Um, and I will just say this in Elon and Twitter's defense. Uh, I found Twitter a more hateful place before he took it over. I was subjected to tons of hate on Twitter um, before he took it over from, I guess you would call them, not you, but one might call them well-meaning leftists who were trying to correct me on all my wrong think. Uh, and in doing so, hurling terrible invective at me, calling me terrible names. Now, at least I have more people on my side who can fight them. Who can hurl the invectives back? Now I can say Dylan Mulvaney not a woman, period, and I don't get banned. I find it a more open place, and maybe that leads to more opinions. Some might find hateful. I, I mean, for me, it's like, well, that's America, right? We get let's let's hash it out. Let's see, and if it's not healthy for you, you don't like it, you can leave like you did. But it's not hmm. fair to suppress just the one side as was happening under the old management.
0: Yeah, my my concern is that it's. It's not America, right? Or at least it shouldn't be America. I mean, the the reason why I left Twitter was not so much that I was getting so much abuse, right? Because uh, in fact, I, I sort of solved that problem. I installed a, uh, you know, an app which allowed me to delete, you know, massive numbers of Twitter's Twitter accounts by the batch, um, you know, or you know, or mute them, block them. Uh, so I wasn't seeing a lot of hate at a certain point, but then I I asked myself, well, why the hell am I the sort of person who's who's blocking <laughs> you know ten thousand people at at a, t- a pass? Um, I mean, how, 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 be how the did I become this me. person, right? Um, but no, that the, the, my real concern was that I was getting a, a a distorted picture of other human beings. That I was seeing people not only at their worst, but um. It, it, I was seeing them in ways that, that that where they would they would never be this way in real life, right? Like mm, I true. if I had dinner with these people, they would not behave like psychopaths and yet they were presenting like psychopaths in my feed you know every minute of the day. And that mm. so that I, that 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 distortion is what what most worried me.
1: I I get it. I will say there are some people on there with whom I would never be friends, with whom I would never have dinner and when they post yeah, no the picture of them with their cat or they post some, something nice about their kids, it's healthy. It reminds me, this is a human, too. This is somebody who, you know, were we in the bunker together, we'd have each other's backs, we'd let everything slide. That Those yeah. are good moments, yeah. you know, on that platform, yeah. too, though it is indeed flawed. All right, stand by. Uh, we're going to turn to Riley Gaines and wokeism and the, the confrontation Sam had with a transgender person who was giving it to him, and he was giving it pretty good right back. That's next. Don't forget, you can find The Megan Kelly Show live on Sirius XM Triumph Channel 111 every weekday at noon east. Pandora makes it easy for you to find your favorite music. Discover new artists and genres by selecting any song or album, and we'll make you a personalized station for free. Download on the Apple App Store or Google Play and enjoy the soundtrack to your life. I don't know if you've been following what happened with Riley Gaines the The swimmer, have you been tuning into a little that at bit, all? Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. I mean, not. I, so I don't know, uh, I'm sure that this, this is your wheelhouse and not mine, but yes, I've, I know the story a little bit.
1: Okay. Well, I'll just I'll get the audience and you up to speed on the latest. So she went. She was a competitive swimmer at the college level. She swam against Leah Thomas, who's a trans woman. Uh, she tied against Leah Thomas. They refused to let Riley hold the trophy. They wanted Leah Thomas to have it for the photo op. Leah Thomas shouldn't even have been in that pool. Riley Gaines should not have had to tie or share a trophy with a man, a biological man, especially since it appears to me that Leah Thomas is really, I don't even know if Leah Thomas is actually trans. Uh, the in-depth report by the Daily Wire suggests this is a man who has autogynephilia, which is a fetish where you get off on dressing mm. like a woman. It, it's sexually arousing to you to dress like a woman, which is not really a trans thing. It's a different thing. It's like a kink. It's a fetish. In any event, this poor girl, Riley Gaines, had to, had to swim against Leah. So Leah, uh, sorry, Riley now has become somebody who goes on the college circuit tours and talks about this. And her remarks, as I understand it, are limited to the field of athletics. She's not against trans people, trans rights. She's making the point that, look, there are some serious downsides to letting somebody like Leah Thomas swim against me. Well, all hell Mm -hmm. broke loose on the the San Francisco State University campus when Riley went there. Here's just a little flavor. And we're going to set up the response now from the student group. by showing you what actually happened the day Riley was there and was shouted down and was forced into a, into a room, essentially kidnapped by the mob. I'm
0: good. I'm good. I'm good.
1: I'm
0: good. Trans- trans- right. I'm, right. I'm good. I'm good. Trans-
1: trans- right. I'm, right. I'm good. I'm good. women are women women are women women are Hmm. my goodness. So she was hit twice. right? It is reminiscent of what happened to Brett Weinstein at Evergreen, right? It's just a little like this a school mob taking somebody down, trying to threaten them physically. She was punched twice, she says, by a trans woman. So now we, uh, the the head, the president of the university, I think it's the president herself, has blocked Riley Gaines on Twitter. No, she's blocked Riley Riley Gaines on Twitter. And now we have the president of the student group. She's the student association, associated associated students president. Her name is Karina Zamora, issuing her response in writing. And it's, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you must hear a fair amount of this to believe. The mindset this is what we're dealing with uh, on the evening of Thursday April 6th the San Francisco State chapter of Turning Point USA hosted saving women's sports with Riley Gaines on our campus an event that promoted discriminatory rhetoric towards trans women athletes dot 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 students orchestrating to students protesting were coerced and given unwarranted warning cards threatening arrest if they violated the Turning point USA policy though TP uh, USA was followed by protesters so they acknowledge Riley was followed by protesters I believe the enforcement of these policies was weaponized to silence and threaten protesters and the presence of police was both excessive and uncalled for <laughs> okay tell it to Riley Gaines uh, the heavy police presence in response to peaceful protest and the threat of arrest aimed towards students upholding the principles of social justice and positive change, uh, leads her to believe that the administration has failed to uphold the principles our campus prides itself on. I, as president of Associated Students, condemn and stand against the hateful rhetoric and promotion of violence spread by, talking, by Turning Point USA and Riley Gaines, as well as the confrontational behavior of the university police, She goes on to say, I call on the president of the university and her administration to hold themselves accountable and host a community forum to hear how damaging these tactics have been to our student body, demanding to know how the university plans to move forward with a plausible action plan, finishing with, to our trans-identifying students, we see you, we hear you, and we are here to uplift your voices, AS President Karina Zamora. In solidarity, by the way. I mean, not a word of apology to Riley, to the students who showed up there in support of Riley or wanting to hear Riley. It's all about them. Mm -hmm. They're not a bit sorry. They're prepared, I'm sure, to do it again. And they want to know why they were threatened for their behavior. So where does that leave us?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously there's, uh, there's a tension between the free speech rights of speakers and the free speech rights of those who would protest those speakers, uh, I, th- I mean, I think we should. I think all these institutions have a responsibility to err on the side of protecting speakers, right, and allowing events to continue in a civil way, right? So, I, you know, I mean, that that, that was not a peaceful protest. Whenever you're not letting someone leave a room, you know, you this, that's a that's a hostage situation. That's not a. That's not a. An exercise of free speech. Um, so, yeah, I think there should be very little tolerance for that particular line getting crossed among by by protesters on college campuses or anywhere else. Right, you're, you're physically coercing somebody when you're mobbing them in that way and not letting them leave a room or uh, and and certain speech, you know, is is threatening right where you're you're putting people in fear for their life right now the the speech that um, questions the the wisdom of letting trans women uh, compete against you know biological women in a a sport like swimming uh, that is not violence right and to call it violence is just a symptom of a of you know what has become a crazy ideology, right? I mean, it, it's it, again this is, a, this is a problem with the with the extremes politically that they they, they they view everything in terms of power. And this is true true both on the left and the right, but it, it's especially clear on the left at the moment. They're not interested in what's true. They're not interested in the actual motives of the people they're attacking. They view everything as a um, as an exercise of power, right? even you know scientific knowledge, a concept of objectivity, uh, you just asking questions about uh, biology. all of this is power. None of it has anything to do with truth, right? and And that's so crazy making. and it's so at odds with what is actually going on in the minds of people who are who are simply worried for obvious reasons about specific outcomes. I mean they're they're worried that, you know, to take us you know, a specific case, you know, a 13-year-old isn't in a position to really consent to a, an irreversible an irreversible medical procedure, right? So, um, that's a you know they're genuinely hard problems to solve here at the policy level and at the individual level, uh, and it requires wisdom and compassion from all of us to to interact with those problems and and try to try to uh, find our way to some some. Decent outcome, right? But the problems are 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 different, and even the this trans issue is not the same when you're talking about trans men and trans women, right? We don't we don't have the analogous problem of trans men uh, fighting to uh, dominate their divisions in sport, say, right? You don't not having having biological women transitioning to uh, become men uh posing a problem in in uh in sport. So this is just or their
1: locker rooms or their prison spaces or even their sponsorships and scholarships. I mean, look how many sponsorships Dylan Mulvaney is getting now. We talked about it yesterday on the show. Even for bras and women's facial cream, aging facial cream, like oil of Olay. Like why did we run out of biological women to sell bras? We now have to go to biological men to sell bras? I mean, and not to mention tampons, Tampax is working with Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney does not even have a vagina. I mean, it's. Like, am I drawing the line too close to actual womanhood here? Like, this is insane.
0: Yeah, I, I, but again, it, it's a continuum problem, right? So that on the, the far end of, of, you know, one side of this continuum, you have absolutely clear cases of gender dysphoria in children at the earliest possible time where there there really is no real realistic threat of social contagion or ideology, you know, browbeating them into, you know, having a problem that they don't have. Right. So, and I, you know, I've, I know cases like this, I know, you know, I I know, um, a trans girl who, uh, as a four-year-old felt that, you know, he as a four-year-old boy was born into the wrong body, right? And there were no incentives to convince this kid that, you know, that he was trans and and should uh, eventually transition. Um, but the, on the far extreme of the other side of this continuum, you have you know, obviously deranged gaslighting advocacy uh, of you know, just completely crazy propositions, right? Uh, you know, and, and, um, Uh, the problem for the rest of us is to try to figure out how to interact with this whole space in a way that is compassionate and pragmatic. And it's, um, you know, so to take the case of, you know, the specific case of trans girls, um, sorry, biological girls, you know, deciding that they're trans or or uh, non-binary, there is legitimate concern that social contagion is at least part of the story, right? You have lots of young girls you know teenage girls and and tween girls who decide they you know are are no longer gender conforming right and it's a kind of fad and it's not to say that every one of those cases is a matter of social contagion but certainly some seem to be and in those cases it is totally legitimate and it is not at all an expression of violence or you know you know malicious uses of power to be concerned that social contagion is, is leading uh, some young people who uh, aren't really in a position to think so clearly about the far future in their lives to make irrevocable choices. You know, to 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 go on uh, hormones or you know, puberty blockers or um, uh, or to have surgeries. I mean, to have teenagers having double mastectomies. Right. This is. It is easy to see that that well intentioned people will get very worried about all of this and it's not an expression of hatred right and this is a completely distinct problem from the kinds of problems you know you just raised of you know competition in sport right and denying uh, female athletes uh the experience they would have uh, of uh, you know succeeding because you have biologically male athletes uh out competing them right it's a, it's a totally different issue and ev- all of these issues are getting conflated and we're finding it very difficult to to talk about these things, but it's, this process is not at all helped by dishonest and hysterical uh, uh, moral panics uh, happening on the left. And that's, you know, that's what is happening in many cases.
1: How do you, those people are not persuadable. You know, the, the, the people running after Riley, shouting at her, punching her, mocking her tears after she'd been punched in the face. Okay. This is not a person with whom we can reason and there are many more just like them it's not just because it's mm-hmm. san francisco state university the trans activists as a rule are fairly rabid they're just the worst spokespeople the absolute worst and they lead to the elimination of com- of compassion you know i was talking to glenn Beck on his show the other day saying i started this whole journey very compassionate towards the trans community. I, Had a trans person in my family. I wound up marrying Doug, who has a trans person in his family. Um, And I saw the bullying and I saw how tough it was. And this person went through it in my family before it was a thing, before it was okay, you know, when it was still very stigmatized. Had nothing but compassion. I feel differently now. I feel like it's gone too far. It's eroding reality, biology. They're getting rid of male or female on birth certificates. Doctors in the hospital are not allowed to ask whether you're a man or a woman or tell their their residents, 42 year old male. You're not allowed to say that it's considered offensive. We can't say breastfeed. That's that's offensive. You have to Mm. say chest feed people with vaginas as opposed to women, not to mention the parodies of us by people like Dylan and others. These people who are all over TikTok more and more saying. What's normal is trans, cis, cis, which means biological man or woman. That's what's abnormal. Your parents slapping some label on you that may or may not have. What's normal is the freedom of being a trans person and choosing. No, wrong. I've got thousands of years of biology on my side. So I am less and less compassionate by the day. And it scenes like that, that make me even more so. Am I wrong? Do I need to readjust?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's an understandable reaction that many people have, and, uh, and this is a reaction that that many people who have migrated rightward politically have had, where they've they've the attacks on them from the left have been so dishonest and incessant and gaslighting that, um, and they've been they've been you know commensurately love bombed by people on the right that they have just you know as is again almost an experiment in social psychology. Their politics have changed because it's um, it's an understandable reaction to to hostility on from one side and and uh, uh, you know love and understanding from the other. Um, But I I I do think that our our reasoning about what is real and what we should do in light of what is real needs to to um, escape the. Again, understandable psychological reaction to just uh, being confronted by assholes uh, again and again and again. Uh, that's, like, again, another reason why I got off Twitter. I felt Twitter was distorting my sense of what was even important to respond to because the noise has turned up so loud on, on many of these issues. Um, but this is a the, real issue. You know, this it, is not just a Twitter issue.
1: I mean, this came to no, my son in his issue, but third I- grade classroom. You know, this was nothing happened to me on this front to, to alienate yeah. me. I wasn't attacked by trans activists, though I'm sure it's a matter of time. Um, but this does come into your world now. My, I mean, I've told the story publicly, but in my th- son's third grade classroom at our New York City private school, they were asked on a weekly basis whether they were still sure that they were boys. They had to hold up their fists and do a one through five rating of how confused they were. They were showing them video after video of trans kids suggesting, oh, do you like the color purple? Well, you might have something to consider. It went, I could go on. So that's the kind of it's it's this is well beyond, you know, I mean, Riley Gaines, what was she doing? She was swimming, She was swimming. And suddenly there's a man next door in the pool. Like it's everywhere now. It's unavoidable.
0: Yeah, although I would say that I, I do think it is spilling out into the real world largely because of what is happening on social media. I mean, the activism is dominating institutions because of uh, institutional concern about what happens on social media. You know, so uh, to take a specific case. The New York Times has become as woke as it has become largely based on its concern over blowback on Twitter. Right, I mean, Twitter and effectively yeah. became the editorial board of the New York Times there for a while. Twitter I mean, is, the, is the is the chief but.
1: cancel culture of, officer, right? It's yeah. like a, yeah. they're CEO of cancel culture.
0: Yeah, so w- when we're talking about institutional capture, and we're talking about the the gaslighting of a whole society where you can't even use the word woman right without self consciousness, without scare quotes, without worrying that you're going to be attacked as a bigot for having. It just you know, spoke in the English language. Um, that is largely a, a, a phenomenon born of social media, right? It is what it is. What so what a, a, the activist class on social media has successfully done by hectoring everyone else um, uh, in in the institutions that you would think would be impervious to this kind of bullying. Right. What's the solution? So, again, to that? by a fringe, you know.
1: What do we do about that? I mean, what's the what's the answer, right? If you think peak wokeism may be behind us, why is that? Because social media is still as popular as ever, unfortunately. And um, you know, you still get well, all the everyone, points for, yeah. for for you know, saying yeah. the right things and the DEI scores and the DEI officers has now become a cottage industry to churn out these degrees and pay people two hundred thousand dollars a year to enforce DEI principles, et cetera.
0: Well, I think everyone has to grow a spine, right? And I think institutions, in particular, and those running them, have to grow spines and uh, and lay down bright lines around what is acceptable and not acceptable. So, to I mean, take uh, a, a similar case, um, what happened at Stanford Law School recently, right? It's so like the the capitulations to uh, completely irrational student outbursts have to stop right and they have to stop I think they have to stop in real time rather than just in in retrospect right so it's, it's it's you know it's fine to have apologized to the judge after the fact and and to have written a letter that is is somewhat you know sanity restoring with respect to the the values of the institution but it'd be much better to be able to do that in real time in the room, right mm-hmm. and you know I, I think, one of these schools is just going to have to start expelling students who behave this way, right? the I mean, way you know, this could have happened at at Yale, you know, five years ago or whenever that was, when you know Nicholas Christakis was, yes. you know, surrounded by a mob in the quad and, um, I, I, you know, it, to some degree taken hostage there. I mean, it was it was reminiscent of what happened to Brett at, at Evergreen. Um, it was um, these are uncivil and and indefensible uh eruptions of uh unreason and social disorder right i mean and, and they're and they're happening in the among uh, the most privileged people uh, on planet earth right I mean, the, 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 I mean that's another painful irony here which is so crazy making you know you're talking about people who uh, for whom you know, the the world really is their oyster, right? I mean, like you're talking about yeah. students at Yale or law students at Stanford, um, and they're acting like they, uh, you know, they're they're inmates in some kind of um, oppressive institution, finally you know, tr- trying to break free of their chains, right? Uh, so yeah, I, I think institutional patience for this kind of thing needs to run out, and. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's a a layer in, within all of these institutions of DEI bureaucrats uh, that shouldn't exist. Um, that's not to say that we don't have problems with racism and and other forms of bigotry in our society. And you know, a, you know anti-trans bigotry, I'm sure, is a real thing, uh, and we should deplore it, and we should resist it, and we should criticize it. But the 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 examples of bigotry that are now being cited by the activist class are non-examples of bigotry at all right and so and that's what is so destabilizing it's the, it's the dishonesty it's the it's the you know hallucinatory quality of all of this right where um again it's not just happening on the trans issue it happens just as much on the race issue uh it's just it, it amounts to uh so much of our social conversation be, conversation being gummed up with with lies right and uh half truths and uh, it's um so yeah it, it would be clarifying to have institutions that will simply not give in to the mob right that's that would be the first bright line i would draw you just can't be mm-hmm. bullied by what's happening on twitter if you're the new york times or stanford or any other you know real place
1: we've had a couple of green shoots On that front, you know, the New York Times and some of its trans reporting, they haven't exactly gone full, fair, and balanced on it, but they've done some good reporting on, for example, what's happening when we, you know, engage in these surgeries with minors. And there's been a ton of pushback, and so far they have not bent the knee. The best example of a company handling this, as far as I've seen, has been the Wall Street Journal, when they had some 240 journalists complain about, a journal publishing people like Heather McDonald, who's absolutely brilliant. I'm sure mm-hmm. you've read her stuff. Uh, and yeah. the journal said, We get it. You're upset. Your upset is really not our concern. Take care. You, if, if you would like to quit, you're more than able. Bye. Yeah. Truly, it was short. It was sweet. No one quit. They moved on. They never had another uprising. It was very well handled.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's an example. I didn't know about that example, but that's the kind of thing that has to happen. On mass, and uh, again, I do hold out some hope that we've seen the peak of this thing because um, you know it is somewhat analogous to what happened in the '80s around the you know satanic cult panic, right? And you know the the fixation on preschools as being you know points of um, access to kids, right? And and there was so much um, crazy fear about a phenomenon that really. Uh, doesn't even seem to have existed right i mean this I, I, I'm sure there was a satanic cult or two, but you know there was there was not an epidemic of human sacrifice or you know any human sacrifice at all I think uh, and yet you know we had people believing that in an any given year you know ten thousand infants or, or or more were killed by you know uh satanic cults it's just um
1: really I missed that one
0: yeah oh the the uh well actually the the Journalist Lawrence Wright tells a great story about how how he was he was just turning his attention to this topic, the New Yorker writer. Uh, And he was at a. um, A seminar run by a member of law enforcement, I think this was probably in Texas, and uh, the. um, The cop at that point said that 50,000 people that year had been murdered by satanic cults, many of them children. And Wright realized at that moment that he was in the presence of something very strange because he knew that there was no year in American history where fifty thousand people had been murdered ever you know, for for anything, uh, much less by satanic cults. So, um, you know, there it, it's hard to to diagnose a moral panic when it's happening, especially when it's conflated with real uh, concerns about social inequality and and bigotry and you know racism and transphobia and homophobia and and all the rest and you know me too and i mean these are all it's, there's there it's not that there's not there aren't problems that sort of answer to the, these names but um what the activist class has done with all of these problems has been um uh, you know truly dishonest and and divisive and and I, we have to pull back from the brink here
1: do you feel like, you know, a lot of Democrats, a lot of liberals, do you feel like that side is starting to come around?
0: I do. I mean, I've, I felt this for some time, again, because it's so uh, uh, extreme um, that I mean, what you encounter in private, uh, you know, with virtually everyone is a very different set of opinions than they're comfortable airing in public. Right, and that that's been true for a long time. right? There are many, many people in private uh, who will say things that are, you know, entirely reasonable, uh, and yet they're the, you know, part of the the silent majority when when this conversation spills out into public, um, and even among kids, right? I mean, I'm, you know, meeting, you know, when I when I when I talk to my daughter and and kind of take her her temperature on on many of these topics, and and uh, hear what her friends think, right? It's, it's not quite what, you know, woke activists would hope on these topics. Uh, so yeah, I, I do, I do, um, I'm cautiously optimistic, you know, I'm not, I'm rarely accused of being an optimist, but I'm, uh, I I do think that this, it can't last that much longer because it's, it's, uh, you know, the untruths are so obvious here and it's, um, And it, you know, it will give us each each extreme is amplifying of the other politically. I mean, we if we get Trump again as president, it will be because of the excesses of the far left. Right. I mean, that will be the thing that will drive even reasonable people to overlook the fact that, you know, he's he's painfully unqualified for. They look
1: at him as the as the 800 pound gorilla who can stop it, who will fight it. Yeah. Um, And somebody on the show recently was making the point. I can't remember who it was, but it it was not a Trump hater, but they were saying that probably it would get worse under Trump because he so animates this group of people that we're talking about, you know, that maybe wokeism is actually not as bad right now as it otherwise would have been yeah. under Joe Biden, even though he's pushing it. He doesn't actively, you know, bring it out in people. He doesn't motivate those who want to march for that cause. So that's also an interesting theory. Now, yeah. I'll tell you one, okay, it one quick story. goes both ways, yeah. So I was at um, a big event not long ago, and there was a very well-known black liberal Hollywood name, uh, household Hollywood name, who came up to me and said, Megan, I'm a huge fan. And he said, I I send all of your videos to all of my liberal friends. And I said, well, Mm. why do you why do you send them? And he said, because all of them are too afraid to follow you. (laughs) They don't want to be seen as a follower on, you know, if anybody checks your followers, but they make me send them all of your videos. So I do. And we, we all say, yeah, right on. So che- we're cheering you from the sidelines. I got such a kick nice. out of that. I think that's growing. I do think that there's a growing contingent of people who just need to hear truth spoken and repeatedly, and not just from, you know, diehard conservatives on the hard right, you know, that just normal people need to say what's real. And it's so liberating when you do hear it. And I think the more people like you say, it and I say it, the more other people feel comfortable saying it and weirdly that leads me to the dalai lama um mm. we talked about this yesterday and the only reason i'm asking you about it sam is because i remember from our last time you you worked as like an unofficial bodyguard for him at some mm-hmm. point in your life right Did, yeah, yeah right
0: okay for, for a month, yeah like 30 years ago
1: yeah right but they were like shoving you to the front the real bodyguards were like shoving you to the front because they wanted you to mm. take the the arrows um so he's rightfully, in my view, come under fire for this bizarre, troubling exchange with this little boy that happened in India, where he was on a receiving line of sorts. People were coming up to him. And forgive me, we're going to show this video again. I find it really disturbing, but it has to be seen to be believed. Um, And the boy comes up to him just to tell the the audience what they're going to see. And um, they I'll just read it so I don't get it wrong. The child um, asks, If he can hug him and the Dalai Lama says, first here. And as for a kiss on his, um, I guess, I don't know where the first kiss is. And then he says, right here also. Oh, the first one's on his cheek. Then he points to his lips and says, now here. And he puckers up and the boy leans in. People are kind of laughing. There's some small applause. And then you see the Dalai Lama staring at the boy. And then he says to the boy, then suck my tongue. And he sticks his tongue out. And the boy kind of goes backwards. There's a bit of laughter, and the boy and the Dalai Lama leave it, lean into one another. The Dalai Lama's tongue is out, and they come close, and the boy kind of gets out of out of the way. So this is what we're going to see. I'll show it to you, and then we'll talk about it. Yeah. Who's yeah? (laughs) Then I think finally
0: share also. And my tongue. (laughs) Mm. What do you make of it? Yeah, um, well, I, I, you know, honestly, I'm not quite sure what to make of it. I mean, I I agree. It's completely bizarre and, you know, unacceptable on its face. Um, what I, I, I have a hard time seeing it as a, you know, a frank expression of, uh, sexual interest in a child, largely because he's doing this in front of thousands of people, right? The, The idea that you're going to be, you know, practice your pedophilia, uh, in front of thousands of people, you know, on camera, and get away with it seems, you know, patently insane. So, you know, I, I don't know what to make, like had this happened in private, that would be more disturbing on some level because it's like, okay, then, then it's really in, inappropriate overture toward a child. But, you know, for this, I, I honestly don't know what to say about it. I mean, it's, it's, it's some combination of a, you know, weird Tibetan joke or a, you know, a symptom of brain damage on the part of, the Dalai Lama like you know he's an 87 year old man you know i don't know i don't know what's happening there i mean, i haven't I haven't seen him for 30 years i can tell you 30 years ago he was an extraordinary and extraordinarily inspiring person right and so and so i have no idea what's going on there and it's i completely understand the reaction to it and it's 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 truly unfortunate that a moment like that can you know, become indelible and and really be the uh, really damage the the legacy of someone who I consider to to have been a, just an extraordinarily wise and compassionate person insofar as I am you know fit to judge you know what he's what kind of person he's been been like all these years mm. from the outside. So it's well, good you know, good it's, it's awful. it's awful and strange. so
1: right, because we never know. We never know. we've we've yeah. seen a lot of heroes fall when the truth about them comes out you know, Jerry Sandusky and the whole thing at Penn State, I, you know, it's just, a lot of people looked up to him, believed he loved, you know, kids. And then, then we were told a very different story. Think about the Dalai Lama though. I'm, I understand your point. It would, it would in some ways be worse if he did it behind closed doors. Cause then you'd really have to say, where's this going? And you knew that that exchange in that moment, at least was going nowhere. However, I think the, it's the, I attribute his willingness to do it in the open to his age. I don't think a normal mm. person uh, who doesn't have pedophilic instincts would ever ask for that or do that in any setting. I think perhaps a screen got got dropped uh, because he's getting old and forgot how grossly inappropriate people would see that. That's, that's not something any normal aged person does. Not one. I've known tons of them. Um, nobody does that. You don't do that unless you have that instinct. And that's why I really think this is a before and after moment for him. I actually would be vigilant about keeping him away from children from this point forward. I understand once you're the Dalai Lama, you're the Dalai Lama to death. Um, But this guy shouldn't be anywhere near children. He certainly shouldn't be uh, parading him in front of them because I believe that boy was essentially abused right there. I I think that experience has the real threat of staying with that child forevermore as an abuse moment. And we all witnessed it. You know, the, the whole world has seen it now. It troubles me, Sam, and it troubles me when you didn't. But it troubles me when people defend it, as we saw a guy from Rolling Stone do on CNN yesterday, because there really needs to be a hard stop on anything like that from everyone in polite society when it comes to anything that might even open the door a little bit to the exploitation of kids.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, again, I, I don't know really. I don't know how to interpret uh, what was happening there again, and I don't know if there's anything in Tibetan culture that that I'm unaware of that would have made some sense of it. I mean, you know, I know we looked
1: into that. We looked into it. They said sticking sticking out your tongue is, is frequent, but not.
0: That's the thing. Yeah. I mean that, so that, but yeah, I, you know, it's just, it's such a total miscalibration of, of um, the effect it was going to have on the, you know, his audience and the rest of the world that I just, I don't know what to attribute it to on, on his side. Again, Mm -hmm. he's, he's an 87 year old man. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, your interpretation could be correct, but I just, there's, there's no way to know.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's no way either to investigate, right? Like that, that's what I would love to see. Let's do an investigation see if there's anybody where there's smoke, there's fire. And there's other little boys out there who have a story to tell or now grown boys. Um, that's what should happen. But, I don't think there's going to be an appetite for that because he's so revered, you know, he's so revered and has for so many years been held up as this holy leader and this wise man. It's like, well, sometimes our our heroes fall, sometimes behind closed doors. They do absolutely reprehensible things and you have to be open minded to it when it's staring you in the face. So I hope they do that. And at a minimum, I hope they keep him away from any child in any private setting. Okay, so last but not Mm. least, what does this mean for everything we've discussed uh, for presidential politics and the next presidential vote in your view? Let's say I know you're not going to vote for Trump, for Trump. I got that. Um, mm-hmm. But could a Sam Harris get behind anybody in the GOP field? Could you get behind a Glenn Youngkin? A Nikki Haley was just announced yesterday. Tim Scott is forming a, an exploratory committee, which is sort of the step before actually declaring and now we know that the first uh, Republican presidential debate is going to happen, Fox News, in uh, August in Milwaukee, which is going to host the uh, GOP 2024 convention. So things are starting to happen, and uh, mm-hmm. it looks like the Dems are going to go with Biden. We don't know for sure, but he seemed to tell the Easter Bunny and Al Roker the other day he's he's going to run. He just hasn't announced it yet. So what does it look like for you?
0: Well, again, my my criticism of Trump is is truly nonpartisan. I mean, it, it's not. Um... And insofar as it would extend to a, a a disinclination to vote for any other Republican, it's really only to the degree that they have pandered to Trumpism. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to if you're going to hold up a candidate who has also gone all in on the big lie that the 2020 election was stolen and that, you know, that January 6th was a was a nothing burger and, you know, nothing was ever at stake. And um, I mean, that's that's you know that's the larger crater that Trump has left in the GOP and in in our politics. We saw some of that in the midterms. Uh, but a, a normal Republican candidate is is somebody who, you know, I would you know, I'm I'm not quite sure who would, could conceivably rise to the to the top of the field there and and actually get the nomination, but um it that's the sort of person who I really have, you know, nothing negative to to say about him. Mean, it's just um I don't know uh, with the, the candidates you mentioned. I don't know what each of them have said specifically on the topic of of the big lie and you know election denialism and how they reacted to Trump's not. I think those uh, three have been careful to
1: stay away from it. Those three are not, you know, Carrie Lakes, if you will. Right. Um, right. So yeah, I, I think I don't know. I feel like you could get behind them. Could you get behind a Kamala Harris? No. Why?
0: No. Well, one, I just don't think she's electable, right? But I, I mean, the degree to which she has pandered to the far left and will continue to pander th- to the far left, um, I just think is is you know unconscionable, right? So it's it's just not, um, it you know, I I don't imagine that she ne- necessarily agrees with all of the the um, the dogmas she has paid lip service to over there. So you know, there's a kind of a cynicism and an opportunism that I. I believe I detect there, but insofar as she does believe those things, insofar as she does think that, uh, you know, we have an epidemic of racist cops performing lynchings on our city streets and, and, uh, um, you know, that's, um, again, it's completely dysfunctional to be lying about real problems. Right. So, um, uh, and, and then manufacturing fake problems. So, um, yeah no I couldn't I couldn't support her but I, I don't think any I, I don't think that's likely to happen but you know mm-hmm. I don't think she's likely unless to be the candidate unless
1: something happens to
0: him yeah you know? yeah I mean that that would be I I don't honestly I, I have no inside knowledge uh, or even any intuitions about what the democrats are going to do if Biden uh, for some reason wasn't going to be the candidate I mean, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know who would I don't know if it's Gavin Newsom I don't know who would could rise to the to the top of the field but it I can't imagine that it would be Kamala Harris.
1: Going to be tough, tough lady to move off to the side, given what they say they stand for. All right. Well, right. after we when we get closer to the election, we'll come back and we'll talk politics again. We'll see whether the right. gorilla made it happen or whether somebody else is in the GOP slot. Uh, things are about to get pretty fun as we go into debate season. Sam, thanks for being here. Thanks for speaking so openly and honestly about it. Thank you, Megan. Thanks for listening to the Megan Kelly show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear. Pandora makes it easy for you to find your favorite music. Discover new artists and genres by selecting any song or album, and we'll make you a personalized station for free. Download on the Apple App Store or Google Play and enjoy the soundtrack to your life.